I'm Tefera Jemian. And I'm Hannah Bailey. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! Before we get into this week's episode, a reminder that we're in the middle of a huge fundraising campaign for the Upford Network. At the time of recording, we're just over $8,100, but by tomorrow night, we're hoping to have passed $8,500. If you've got a few bucks to donate, help us out. You can get a lot of great perks, including a sweet laptop sticker of our logo for $9, and being a guest on this show at the $60 level. This week, we're talking about Gloria Chow's book, American Panda, Uh, which is about a first-year Taiwanese-American university student uh, who's navigating family and cultural dynamics and really just coming of age and figuring out what she wants her life to be like. Um, We discovered this book actually at Yafest. Yes. uh, um, Which has just been like such a resource. I'm very glad we went. Yeah, so glad. (laughs) It uh, was way, way more valuable than I think we... Imagined. predicted it would be yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and we actually saw Gloria Chow I saw Gloria Chow on a few panels and mm-hmm. uh, I got this book there I bought it at the book sale and mm-hmm. um, took it home and I think finished it in three hours <laughs> <laughs> like I read it that day yeah you did start reading yeah. it like immediately after we got home didn't you yeah um and I just, I mean, I, I absorbed me completely. I got completely sucked in. It's um, a, I love it. It's a very absorbing book. Yeah. It's very, she's a very winning main character. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's really, really well written and really, yeah, she's a very, very good protagonist. Yeah. Um, I the way I feel about this book is very much the way uh, uh, Gloria Chow feels about this book. Actually, she wrote in her author's <laughs> note. Uh, I wrote American Panda because it was the book I needed in high school. <laughs> um, and like, I feel that so, so much with this book. I really mm-hmm. wish that this had been available to me as a teenager. Yeah. Um, or as a university student, even. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I think, a really, really important book. Yes. Um, and it's one of the first young adult books I've read where the right move for the main character is one that alienates her from her parents. Yes. And the responsibility uh, of that is put directly on her parents. Yes. Yeah. I really like how, how that, how that plays out. Um, yeah, because you don't, you don't like, you often see books that like flirt with the tension Mm -hmm. of, of what of what a child wants and what their family wants, but yeah. rarely do you see one that so clearly alienates. Like sometimes your parents are wrong, yeah, and and it's up to them to figure that out. Yeah, I know um, we touched on it a little bit when we were talking about love, uh, or love, love, hate, hate and, fil- and, other and other filters. filters. Yeah, it's um, actually it deals with some similar things, but, but it's not, a different dynamic. It is a very it's a very different dynamic because yeah. the. The root of the tensions are different. Yeah. Um, yeah yes. With, and there's higher stakes in some ways. Yeah. Well, with, with Love, Hate and Other Filters, I think it's very clearly uh, an anxiety thing yeah, for her parents. It's about her parents really wanting to keep her safe. Yeah. It's parents who are really worried about their kid and and swing too far trying to yeah. keep her safe. But yeah. um, but it's a very, yeah, it's a very different dynamic than than in American Panda. Yeah, in American um, Panda, it's very much about duty, about intergenerational uh, systems of shame. Yes. Um, and, and really about sort of abusive power structures that, mm-hmm. um, that really kind of fuck everybody involved in them. And I, I just, I really, really appreciate seeing a book that empowers a 17 year old to say you know what no like Mm -hmm. i i don't want to be part of this yes and Uh, and a book like we'll get more into this but where where a 17 year old can say that and and her mother listens eventually eventually not right away but um 
but eventually yeah the uh the sort of redemption of that relationship at the end is is very hopeful yes yeah so do we want to get a little bit into may and what she's all about and then uh and then roll on from there sure yeah may is uh she's a first year student at mit Mm -hmm. another reason i love this book is because i grew up in cambridge and i actually spent a lot of time on the mit campus i spent a a couple summers working at mit um and like I lived like a maybe 20 minute walk from MIT oh cool yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so it's um it's my neighborhood it's like my my home and it's really like nice to be like oh yeah I know this place oh yeah I know this place like it's always um, lovely to to read a book that's set somewhere that you have a strong connection to I'm excited for hopefully when we are eventually read uh, that inevitable Victorian thing because it's set in my turf. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. And it's also even like uh, her her best friend Helen, who goes to Dartmouth. Yes. When I was in university, my best friend was also at Dartmouth. Okay. So like the bus ride to visit Dartmouth is familiar is. for me. The Dirt Cowboy Cafe is familiar <laughs> for me. Like that's really it's lovely. just so much of this is is homey and familiar and nice mm-hmm. for me specifically. So that's yeah. not a universal no, experience. But uh, but it is always um, lovely when books can do that for you. Yeah. Yeah. It um, felt really nice to read. Yeah. Anyway. Um. So uh, oh. May is a first year student at MIT uh she's pre-med she does not want to be pre-med but she feels as though I mean again kind of seems like there was never a conversation about it it was just very clear that she would be this is what was going to yeah that's very much the the idea that you get the other the other important thing I think that becomes an important part of her character is that she is a year younger than all the other first year students because her parents had her skip a grade I think when she was in fourth grade yeah um which like (laughs) Now that you mentioned that, that didn't strike me as weird because almost everybody in my family did that, uh, except for me. But oh, we're gonna we're, we're gonna talk a little bit more about some of the parallels between May's experience <laughs> and mine. Yeah, for I, me, I was just like, well, yes, of course. If you are a smart kid, you go to school at seventeen. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't gonna say it struck me as weird, but it it it's something that she's a little bit pre- preoccupied with. Yes, it plays into her relationship with the other students and with. And also, it becomes a tension with her parents as well. Um, yeah, they can't decide if she's still a child or if she is not. Really. Yeah, like, yeah. And, she and, has a she yeah. has a very good line at one point where she says, "I'm only 17 when it suits you." Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so she is uh, she's working out, you know, living on campus and getting to know friends, and she also has these parents who insist on seeing her at least once a week. They go out. Yes. Her mother calls her constantly if she doesn't yes. pick up the phone. Her mother freaks out, um, mm-hmm. and you know, looks up her class schedule and says, "Like, I know you're not in class right now, so why aren't you answering your phone?" Which is, oh my god, so familiar to me. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so she's she's sort of really in this um, in-between state yes. where she's not living at home, but her parents really still accept, really expect have... her to be that accessible. Yes, and um, and still play a huge, a larger role in your life than most people's parents yes. do when they're in first year. Her mother, yeah. like, comes and picks up her laundry every yeah. week. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very complicated yeah, it really is sort of sort of well, you have to be at school so yeah. you can study, but we're going to do everything we can to make sure that we're still influencing yeah. your life as much as we possibly can. Yes. Um, yeah. and I really I mean it really does. It goes beyond laundry. It yes. really becomes uh May is is terrified to make any decisions that her parents will not approve of, and yes. that includes little decisions, that includes things they won't see, like who she mm-hmm. hangs out with yeah. and um uh, yeah, that's that's yeah, and even even I think the thing that struck me was even like things that I would think of as innocuous and not mm-hmm. things that parents, even strict parents, would care about, like continuing to pursue a hobby that they introduced her to initially. Um, yeah, that's another is, significant thing about May is that yeah. she is a dancer. Um, mm-hmm. She loves dancing. Her parents introduced her to it, but she. Uh, took it much more seriously yes it was supposed expected. to be a way for her to get ahead on college applications yeah. and it was kind of 
understood that once she was into college, she wouldn't do it anymore. But mm-hmm. it became a really important part of her life. Which actually, um, like, from a college application perspective makes no sense. Because if a college accepts you because you dance, they want you to dance for them. Like. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> interesting. Um, but yeah, it's really yeah. seen as a, as a means to an end. But yeah. she ends up really falling in love with mm-hmm. it. She doesn't want to stop dancing. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. Which, again, got so many things about this so familiar for me. Um, uh, so May is... Um, what's interesting, I think, about her as a protagonist at the beginning mm-hmm. of this first year of college book yeah. is she does not see college as a way for her to assert her independence. No, no. Um, in any way. No. Um, which is interesting in sort of the canon of... Uh, starting college books because usually because it's usually like, I'm going to reinterpret myself. It's the and, exact opposite. Yeah, yeah. Usually it's this ticket to freedom and to a new yeah. identity and to independence. Yeah. But that's not, that's not how it works for, mm-hmm. for me at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For her, it's really, it's really, it really feels like she's trapped. Yes. Um, she didn't really uh, want to go to MIT. She didn't really no. want to study pre-med. She doesn't really want to be doing any of it. No. Uh, there's a really good point um, when her roommate says to her, wait, like your parents still care ab- all about this even though you're at MIT. She was like, I got into MIT. I could murder somebody and my parents would let it go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's just like this totally different set of expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very different experience than... Yeah. Uh, than her peers yeah and part of this is that may is like absolutely marinated in stories of taiwanese kids who didn't make it yes um, um brought shame to their families or mm-hmm. that's a very mulan line that's not a line from the book <laughs> but uh, it's but it's an implied it's yeah. an implied situation yeah. and and i think the the thing that's very interesting about that is one of those people is her brother yes uh, is her older brother Zhang. Um He's. Do we know how many years? He's several years older than her because he's already yeah. doing his resident residency. So he's like eight years older than her. Something like that. Yeah. He's. he's yeah. Um, um, I get the impression that he's maybe in his late twenties. Yeah. And he, um, sort of at the beginning of the book, it's a little murky about why he's been cut off. Yes. It has to do with the girl he's dating. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this real turning point for May in terms of how she sees her parents and how mm-hmm. she sees this uh, the culture of shame mm-hmm. is when she discovers that the reason um, that her brother got caught off, his girlfriend is, she's Taiwanese, she's thin, she's pretty, she's in med school. From a good family, like, yeah. She, you know, she takes all the boxes, but she has endometriosis. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she, the doctor told her she may have trouble conceiving. Mm-hmm. And and so that was that was it for her to be completely unacceptable. Yeah, and and it's that moment that really kind of throws May off because she mm-hmm. sees Esther, um, her who's done fiance, everything right, and looks the way May is like supposed to look yes. according to her mother, and mm-hmm. um, and is just like wait seriously, like all it takes is for her to possibly she may have trouble conceiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And and that's just absurd enough that even for May, she starts to go, wait a I, second. I don't know. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I, I really appreciated, there's a quote I appreciated where she is um, visiting her friend Helen, mm-hmm. uh, who's, in, who's in Dartmouth, and she is mm-hmm. thinking about Helen's experience um, of being Taiwanese, which is very different yes. from May's experience of being Taiwanese. Um didn't have the same kind of really strict rules, didn't have mm-hmm. the same expectations. I mean, <laughs> there's a little bit of where where she's like, she didn't have to strive for MIT and Harvard, and then, like, Dartmouth wasn't a shameful second choice, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, God, I wanted to get into Dartmouth, and I didn't get into Dartmouth. Come the fuck on. <laughs> um, but again, yeah. it's the spectrum. This, this and, different um, world. There's this, yeah. this quote where May starts uh, thinking about it. She says, other childhood acquaintances popped into my head like whack-a-moles. Kimberly Chen, who married a non-Chinese guy and then got divorced. Jade, who moved in with her boyfriend without a ring on her finger. Even Han Wei, whose mother hadn't cut him off when he decided to pursue music. Suddenly I saw the spectrum they represented. It had been right before my eyes, but I hadn't seen, or more accurately, had refused to see. 
Before, I had blamed my culture, but that wasn't the problem. It was so much more complicated than that. It was a clashing of personalities and interpretations of cultures. How would my parents and I ever find a solution to this impossible mix of opposing ideals and desires? No right answers, only a long list of wrong ones. Um, yeah. Which I just um, think, yeah. <laughs> and it's such a powerful point about interpretations of culture. Yeah. Because I think we we often blame things on culture, but so much of it has to do with yeah, how we interpret those. Yeah. And I think also it can be a really like um a kind of racist monolith sometimes. Yes. It'll be like, "Oh, the strict Asian parents." Mm-hmm. Uh, and not really think about like is that a real thing? Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, I I mm-hmm. I, you know, I keep alluding to this, but I grew up in, in a weird family dynamic because it wasn't like a cultural thing or a, like there were elements of the yeah. Middle Eastern immigrant culture and elements mm-hmm. of the like my mom's like wasp Anglo-Saxon culture yeah. and then all kind of stewed in this uh, very restrictive, conservative religious mm-hmm. environment. And um, the thing that really... Uh, feels so familiar in this book. One of the things, mm-hmm. <laughs> many things in this book that feels so familiar to me, but the mm-hmm. being sort of marinated in these stories of shame, yes. being just constantly given precautionary tales of mm-hmm. like, this person left the church and this person left the church and this person like, and... I remember it being like, well, she wears bikinis. <laughs> like, <laughs> while like, I like my sister... Mm-hmm started dating a guy who she ended up marrying and he is wonderful but like there was even a little bit of a scandal around like well he's baptist like and just sort of that same level of like Mm -hmm. lots of whispers lots of well this happens and this happens and public excommunications which were really like um at lift yeah. A lot for a kid to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially, like, the, the thing that kept coming up for me in this book was that uh, when I was uh, maybe 12 or 13, pretty mm-hmm. young, um, my brother got excommunicated. And uh, it was just such a... Um, it was so influential. It was such a big um, a defining moment in my life of, mm-hmm. okay, like... There's this public shame. My whole family's crying. I don't know why I care so much about this, but I think this means my brother's going to hell. So, like, I think that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And um, and it really like terrified me. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, they use the phrase "scared straight." Like, I was yeah. I was really scared to put a foot out of line. Mm-hmm. Um, and the really significant thing was that like. He did it all very respectfully. Mm. Um, it was a, it was a like this is not my thing. I don't want to be a part of this church anymore. You know, I've been going out of respect for you, and I want to withdraw my membership. It wasn't like a yeah a yelling thing. and screaming. Yeah, it wasn't like a oh you're thing. being a terrible person. It was him being like you know what I'm not interested in this anymore. Mm-hmm. So when you have something like you know I'm not interested in this anymore, or yes my girlfriend may have trouble conceiving. Or just just mm-hmm. just the tiniest thing out of line, it's paralyzing. Yes. Completely, completely paralyzing. And um mm-hmm. like one of the things I've I've been doing as I've gotten older and been deconstructing is exactly what May does. Seeking people out, hearing their stories, and being like, Well, what was your experience? Yeah. Like what what was the breaking point for you? Was like mm-hmm. Was it reasonable or was it not reasonable? And um, yeah. um, like, there's the the girl mm-hmm. Ying Na who's talked about through yes. the whole book. She's a really, really interesting. Yeah, and thread. through the whole book, you hear stories of Ying Na takes her clothes off for quarters now. Ying mm-hmm. Na studied English in college, and now she's a whore. Or like, yeah. <laughs> Ying Na had sex out of wedlock one time, and now she has herpes. Yes. Um. Yeah. All of these. She's the. The cautionary tale for yeah. May's whole community. Yeah. Um, um, or for, like, the small sliver of May's community that is loudest today. Yes. But by community, yeah. I mean more like the people that her family's directly in contact yeah. with, not community yeah. in the broader sense. Mm-hmm. Her parents' community, anyway. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah, really and accurate. It, it turns out that Yingna is um, a stand-up comedian. Yeah, like, 
successful like, doing well very yeah. happy i mean successful for a stand-up comedian yeah yeah, <laughs> but yeah like, like not like wildly successful but like she's you know feeding herself, herself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah and just this like the process of dismantling the myths is so yes. satisfying mm-hmm. and i mean like i said this is a story i wish i had had as a teenager because yeah. then it, it maybe wouldn't have taken me like 10 more years to get to the point of being like this doesn't quite seem right no. yeah <laughs> like, there's a mm-hmm. there's a really beautiful moment when uh may is talking to her mother um mm-hmm. after having had a big blowout with her parents mm-hmm. um sh- she's saying like she, she tells may that her father has changed his will so that mm-hmm. her children their children right. get, nothing get nothing now yeah. it goes all to her sister yeah or his sister his, i his think sister. it's his sister yeah, yeah. and may says um you have no kids left. What does that tell you about your parenting style? Mm-hmm. If we're so terrible, aren't you to blame? Which is, I mean, something I would really like to say to many people. And I think not not my parents specifically, like my mom mm-hmm. and I are working our shit out. But like mm-hmm. um, to people who push away their kids to just be like, yeah. OK, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, look at <laughs> like, where. Why do you think this is on your kids? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's a very powerful. And just her her evolution in the book from like having totally absorbed that shame to kind of starting to realize that it's not all on her. Yeah. Is really really great. So significant. Mm-hmm. And so like I just found it really empowering. Yeah. Like there's a there's a part of me I have to admit when I read it that I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, this is fiction. Nobody gets like self actualized this quickly. <laughs> I mean, like, yes, but that's the magic yeah. of fiction. Yeah, yeah. And just like, just like, wait, she got here without a therapist. <laughs> but then again, different people have different personalities. Yeah, and, and you know, it is. I, I think the most likely thing is that she always had this personality. Yes, yeah. and now she has permission to. Uh, mm-hmm. to well, bring she, it she's out. always. You get the sense that she's always felt like there's something yeah. off about. About everything, yeah. But uh, but it's just been so conditioned in her. And then when she gets, when she finally gets examples mm-hmm. of of how how it could be otherwise, she yeah. um yeah. yeah, and she has good support systems also. Well, and she gets her brother, yeah, like who she's who she has been not allowed to contact for four years, mm-hmm. and she's able to get back in contact with him, yeah. and, that's and that's huge. huge. Um, and to have an older sibling, you know, saying like, it's okay if you disagree with mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, if they, if they, which is really powerful. Yeah, if they cut you off for that, that's on them. That's not on you. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and I will be here and I love you. And, yeah. And that's, that's huge. Yeah. Another, another thing we haven't touched on that I found really, really interesting that I really liked was, so she has all of these, she finds all of these kind of examples of other ways to be or examples of the cautionary tales maybe don't need to be so cautionary um but then she also finds an example of it's her own kind of cautionary tale in um so she she meets a doctor at the uh at the school's health clinic who she asks to shadow for a little while to um because she she has real reservations about her ability to handle medicine um and so she wants to shadow this doctor to see like okay maybe like see if it's something that she could do and this doctor is also taiwanese american i believe um and she shadows her and she sees someone who she basically sees what her future could be um in that she can tell that this doctor hates her job yeah and is just like miserable miserable and just like like hates and is like horrified by what she does for a living yeah um but but did it because it was what was expected of her and um yeah and i think that the the may kind of seeing that and being like i don't want this to be what happens to me as well is really powerful yeah Exactly. Yeah, I had forgotten about that, but that's like mm-hmm. a very, a very powerful thread in it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. And like it's just so glaringly obvious that May like oh should yeah. not be a doctor. And like it, it's interesting because everyone around her is like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like her roommate who barely knows her is like, you pre med? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because she is she's uh, very anxious about germs. Yes, she extremely. Is very anxious about hygiene. Yeah. She you know thinks she can get like. STDs from like anything literally anything yes which I mean you know we can talk about how a culture of sexual shame leads to that kind of Mm -hmm. paranoia it does Um, yeah and when you tell children their whole lives that if you have sex before you get married you will get herpes and pregnant and die sometimes they end up believing that what to the extreme yeah and it really Uh, uh, it really Ontario people's minds ugh (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> for sorry for those of you who are not Canadian or up to date on Canadian um, politics currently, Ontario yeah. just voted in a premier who is a nightmare. Oh, uh, he's, yeah. he's 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 baby Trump, but I think he more knows what he's doing than Trump does. Which yeah, is kind of he's like a little bit more I think competent as a person, exactly, but, but has the same scary. politics. Uh, probably not in less. Russia's pocket. Oh, probably not. No. Um, but anyway, um, they decided that they're going to roll back sex ed curriculum 17 years. No, 20 years. 20 years. 20 years to a model that does not. Yeah, 19, uh, 1998 is when the yeah. curriculum they're rolling back because. So Ontario's sex ed curriculum was overhauled like four years ago. And was very And good. was really good. It was like super comprehensive and it talked about consent and gender identity. And like, it was great. Um, Ontario was one of the best provinces to be a trans kid. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and, but uh, the new premier uh, has has rolled, rolled it all back. Have we maybe considered teaching women that they're property and uh, <laughs> using shame-based sexual education? Because I think that will gain me ro- votes from the conservatives. Seems like right. a great idea. Which is really frustrating because... Uh, Ontario is like a swing state to like translate it into American. Yeah. Like um, the the urban centers are very liberal and the rural areas are pretty conservative. Are quite conservative. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Anyways, that's, that's, that's why we were making noises of despair. That's uh, your Canadian civics lesson for the day. Let us know if you welcome. want more of these. Um, follow us on Twitter for more. Oh my goodness. Uh, oh God. Don't follow me on Twitter. <laughs> Your Twitter's quality. What are you talking my, my about? My Twitter's weird. <laughs> I mean, like, fair. Uh, anyway, still quality. Anyway, <laughs> so, May, not somebody who should be a doctor. No, um, really not. Um, really, it's about, for her family, it's about the prestige and the financial security. Yeah. Um, um, and it's, it's, all, it's really, it's such an interesting dynamic, too, because it's, it's another example. It's different, but it it resonates with with the family dynamic that happens in Love Hate and other filters as well. In that, like, you can see that to some extent, her parents believe that like she will be the happiest and most secure yeah. and have the best life yeah. if this is what she does, and so that's why she needs to do it. Um, but it's it's just coupled with like a total inability to see their own kid, and like, um, and an inability to like like communicate that concern at all yes that too um is a thread uh where yeah there's a thread of may like really seeking her parents approval and loving them and needing that but not not getting the love side of where they're coming from communicated to her yeah. Um, well, and I mean, when she switches majors, finally, mm-hmm. she switches to business. Yeah, which is like... She doesn't switch to dance. No. My parents... Well, no, my mother wouldn't have, but my dad would have been delighted if I'd gotten into business. Like, mm-hmm. and I should have, because an English degree is a valuable thing to pursue. Um <laughs> It's a valuable thing to pursue if it's what you want to pursue. It was yes, not what you it was wanted, not what to, I pursue. wanted to pursue. You oh, were God. convinced that it would be more practical than your than art, yeah, than what I you wanted would, to yeah, take, yeah, yeah, which was a lie. Are we talking about American Panda or is this Tepper's Therapy Hour? I don't know. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, no, exactly, and and I mean the irony, right, is that if there's something 
you want to do and you love doing, mm-hmm. you're much more likely to be successful at it than yeah. if you force yourself into something you don't like. That you don't like, yeah. Which, I mean, for me, like, I don't know, it was complicated because I was actually very good you at You are very degree. good at English, yeah. <laughs> I just, like, graduated and was like, I do not want to do any of these jobs. <laughs> yeah. None of these jobs are interesting to me. Mm-hmm. No, it's, um, and, well, and that's a that's a very interesting, I mean, that's not what May experiences, but that's an interesting yeah thing is that sometimes you can be good at things that aren't your passion. I mean, I also yeah. d- did basically the same thing in university, yeah. um, is that I pursued something that I was good at and that yeah. I thought would be lucrative. And then yeah. I was like, no, this isn't actually what I want to do, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, Just like more... Uh, I feel so strongly about not making kids go straight to university from high school. Yeah, that like, would be good. If, if a kid is graduating, which is why I think the SAGEP program in Quebec is really great. It actually great. makes so a lot like, of sense, for, yeah. for, a, for another quick moment of uh, Canadian civics hour, um, <laughs> in Quebec, there's a, a system where you, um, high school is grade 7 to 11. Mm-hmm. Then after grade 11, you can do two to three years of SAGEP, which is, uh, it's like community college, but everybody goes to it. Yeah, everybody does it before university. Yeah. Or or just does SEGEP and doesn't go to university. Yeah, but. And, and it gives you options like uh, you can do a practical degree. You can go to SEGEP mm-hmm. for um, hairstyling or plumbing or mm-hmm. being an electrician. Uh, you get a, an internship. You can go to, to um, if you do pre-law or pre-med uh, even. I think you can go straight to med school or law school. Like oh, they're really? longer, oh, they're I longer didn't know that. They're longer, but you can yeah. apply. That would make I sense. might be wrong about that. For pre-law, I'm pretty sure that's true. Mm-hmm. Med, I might be wrong. Nursing, though, you can get, um, you can do a three-year nursing degree in Sejap and then mm-hmm. just have to do like one or two years in yeah. university. So it's just a really good system. It gives mm-hmm. kids a lot of options. You get to feel things out. You get yeah. to like figure out if you're a more practical worker or a mm-hmm. more cerebral worker, which is like what I missed out on because... yeah. Um, while I'm very good at doing cerebral work, I really prefer doing hands-on work. Mm-hmm. And I think like having training in a trade would have been really, really beneficial for me. Yeah. Anyway, don't force your kids to go straight into university. If your kid is graduating high school and they're going, I have no idea what I want to study, mm-hmm. then like maybe encourage them to take a year off. Yeah. I mean, even <laughs> if they're not, honestly, I thought I knew exactly what yeah. I wanted to do. Well, that's it. I think like overachieving yeah. like teenagers, but that like, like, would you have felt that way if you had not had a pressure from like school, from parents, from culture, whoever, that yeah. you go straight from high school into university? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, actually, yeah. that's really interesting. I actually was going to take a gap year and yeah. my teacher convinced me not to. Yeah. I wanted um, to take a gap year and my parents wouldn't let me. Okay. I, I was yeah. like, I really, really think I need a gap year. I think I need to like figure out what I want. I think I need mm-hmm. to work and save up some money because you guys just told me you can't pay for university after telling me you were going to pay for university, which was out of their control. That was not their fault. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but, yeah. but like, and it was just like, it was really like a supervision thing. It was like, mm-hmm. I don't want you out in the real world. I want you somewhere safe, which comes yeah. back to this like parental anxiety and mm-hmm. I think if my dad had ever, like, learned how to voice his anxiety as anxiety instead of as, like, no. <laughs> yeah, it might have been. <laughs> it just would have been, a, like, much healthier. more productive for all of us. Yeah. So we're way off track. Um, we are. But, um, <laughs> but this this podcast is all about young adult literature and the impact that it can yes. have on our lives and the things that it can teach us. So. Yes. I feel like we're not actually that off track. Give this book to a teenager who you think is overly influenced by their parents. Yeah. I mean, literally just, like, give this book to a teenager. Yeah. But, like, very genuinely, uh, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. It's just really tender and lovely yeah. and, and... And, like... Sensitive. But also really powerful and oh, yeah. strong. Yes. And, like... Yes. I really love that there's no compromising. I really love that there's no, you know, your parents really love you and they're trying the best for you and maybe you don't want to go into medicine, but you could go into nursing. Like, there's none of that. There's just no, no, you know what? Your parents are wrong. Yeah, it's very, it's very (laughs) firmly like May says to her parents, like, no, this is not, this is wrong. And then her, her mother has to come around to it. There's a, um, yeah. There's a moment when she's talking to Darren, yeah. who we haven't talked about yet. But oh no, we like we like. Yeah, there's many <laughs> characters yeah. we haven't touched on yet. Yeah, 
Darren, because we were doing Tevra's therapy hour. Um, <laughs> Darren is her friend slash love interest slash mm-hmm. it's complicated. Yeah. And uh, at one point they're talking and, and she says like, she's talking about how she loves dancing and how her dream mm-hmm. job would be to open a dance studio. Yeah. And he said like, like, well, why, why aren't you going to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, well, I didn't know my parents had already planned out my life. And, and he like, instead of brushing that off as a joke goes, yeah. I think it's selfless how much you care about your parents, but I think you deserve better than sacrificing who you are for their sake. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says it's not selfless when I do it out of fear or guilt. Um, yeah. And he and he says I don't think it's that black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just this. I I love that it's not. Oh, I'm sure your parents love you and want the best for you. It's I yeah. can see you really love your parents, but. but they're exploiting you. Like they're taking advantage of mm-hmm. you here, and that's really not fair. Yeah, yeah. It's so <laughs> powerful that she has people who say those things to yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so powerful. And I mean. Yeah, like it's mm-hmm. it's it's good that that is the community that she's in, and it's yeah. I think so realistic that it takes getting completely out of that community and completely into a new community yes. to hear that. Because I know, I mean, again, like for me, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't it wasn't so much a like. Well, it feels really similar. You know, I keep saying mm-hmm. like, well, it wasn't an ethnic thing, but it was a, a religious thing. But it really culture. It, it's yeah, cultural. culture. It's all it's culture. Cultural. I was actually thinking that when you were saying yeah. that. Like culture isn't just for people who aren't white. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. And culture can be things other than country of origin. It can be church yeah. is a yeah. culture. Well, and um, I mean, I, I Specific do, churches especially. I do want to like also emphasize though that that. A, another significant factor in my family is the like Middle Eastern immigrant mentality. Yeah, yes. That is an yeah. aspect of it. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just I don't just come from like white uh, evangelical culture. Yes. Yeah. Um and sort of the like I think the children obey your parents at all times was very much religious rather than um cult than, than ethnic. <laughs> yeah. Because my aunt and uncle are are different. Okay. Um but like yeah and that's the, that's the, a very... the thing that came to my mind a lot was that um people i think especially my siblings but would mm-hmm. use culture would use the ethnic background as a way to excuse my parents behavior mm. so it would be like oh yeah dad's really strict but you know he is yeah an immigrant kid <laughs> um yeah and and it really took me like actually becoming an adult and talking to my aunt mm-hmm. and being like well what was your family actually like like. and her just being like no that wasn't like a thing (laughs) Um, like our parents were our dad was very supportive and like Mm -hmm. um but any sorry off track again um well i just uh, when you're when you're still half in the abusive culture i'm just gonna go ahead and call it an abusive culture Mm -hmm. Um, and you meet somebody who's like, I think your parents are too hard on you. I think you're doing too much for them. Mm-hmm. And then you go and you tell, like, if you have a friend who's still very much in the, like, in the uh, the, the gaslit fog <laughs> in the, like, brainwashed yeah. space. And you tell them that they go, well, that's because they don't understand because they're not part of this and they mm-hmm. don't get it. Yeah. And you do get it. So you know better. So, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really good that May manages to, like, have... A space where she can hear those things and really hear those things. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's and like learn how God. It's so beautiful how she manages to stick up to her mom, mm-hmm. and how her mom comes around. And, and her mom listens, and then her mom starts to kind of explore her own mm-hmm. baggage and her own kind of trauma that she's carrying from from basically the same things that she's that she's putting on May and yeah. and how she sort of starts to unpack how unhappy she is. Yeah. Um and kind of like forge a new start to maybe forge a new path. Yeah. Um there's a moment that I really love with May's mom. Mm-hmm. So, I mean May's mom does not leave her dad. Like like no. May May's dad is clearly kind of an abusive dick. Um yeah. to yeah. to her mom like mm-hmm. as well as to May. But what I find really interesting, she says, she she starts to recognize um, the power that she holds in the relationship. Yes, Even though he's the great. one who makes all the saves. So she says, 
um, he needs me. He can't, which is, that first made me prickle, because, like, that's so often what keeps women in abusive relationships. Yes. But, but she's saying it in a very different way. She says he can't cook or clean or do laundry. I have some leverage. Yes. And that, yeah, that's a beautiful moment. Yeah. Um, of somebody who has been, in a lot of ways, like, financially and socially disempowered. Yeah. Um, by by her relationship is like no, but I still have power. Yeah, and exactly. this is how I can wield it. Exactly. Um. Yeah. Yeah. That's really um really significant. And um, I mean, her father hasn't come around by the end of the book. No. Uh, but her mother has started saying, "Well, I'm going to see my kids." Yes. So like, deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's. I think it's a very. It's. I'm not going to say better, but it's a more, it's a more nuanced and interesting ending than if both of her parents just came around exactly. right away. Because it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't shy away from the fact that like this kind of thing is hard. Yeah. And sometimes by sticking up for yourself, you will lose relationships. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and not everyone is going to realize that what they're doing is wrong. Yeah. Um, well, and it's much um, more likely that the disempowered people will come around. Then, yeah, that's true. Then the people who are holding the power yeah. and who are benefiting yeah. from, yeah, yeah, the status quo. Yeah, I mean, that's what I, I have read young adult books before about, like, a protagonist who really wants to pursue her dream and her parents don't support it because they're worried or they're anxious or something. Mm -hmm. And at the end, she manages to convince them and they come around and yes. everybody's supportive. And that's a narrative we see a lot, I think. Yes. Um. And it's just really, it's nice to see a story where that doesn't happen. Yeah, that's because a lot more nuanced than that. I think for, like, for me, again, I wish I, God, how many times am I going to say this? Take a shot every time I say this. <laughs> I wish I had had this book as a teenager mm -hmm. because I would read books like that and be like, that's great. There's that's no way my family's ever coming what's around. What's going to happen, yeah. Um, which, I mean, in terms of, like, art school or whatever, I think they would have if I'd mm -hmm. pushed a little, but I didn't. But but when there's, like, disempowerment in a lot of other aspects. Yeah. It's really hard to feel empowered um, mm -hmm. in any aspects. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, which, I mean, which we see with May with, mm -hmm. you know, she doesn't want to pursue the boy she likes. She doesn't want to pursue the career she wants. She doesn't want to, like, yeah, even... She even put her foot down and say no I am doing dance but I will keep up with my grades and I will keep up with my yeah. classes um which I feel like would be a more like moderate version mm -hmm. of what she ends up doing yeah well even when she starts when she starts to to teach dance it's not she doesn't have in her mind okay I'm gonna teach dance and then I'm gonna become a dance teacher yeah. and that's gonna be my career it's just something that brings a little bit of joy to her and gives her a little bit of money that's not dependent on her exactly. parents exactly. um it's a small thing, but it's still something that she feels like she cannot. Yeah, well, and do even, openly. Even still, like she she goes into business. Mm -hmm. Um, she's still dancing, and yeah. it's actually very smart for her to get a business degree because if she yeah, wants to if open she wants a dance to studio, that's that's you know useful. the way to do it. Yeah. Um, but she's not dropping out of school. She, no. you know, she's not becoming a stand-up comedian. No. She's she's just modifying things to her own tastes and mm -hmm. recognizing that it is ridiculous for parents to expect their children not to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we could talk a little bit about grooming and, and grooming girls to, um, fill certain roles and to always be compliant, to yeah. be okay with other people making decisions for them. Yeah. Like I've been, I've been mm -hmm. thinking a lot over the last year about um, generational cycles of abuse and mm -hmm. how uh, uh, communities can groom women to become victims and groom men to become abusers. Yes, and uh, um, that's just something that's so visible in, in this, this book. Yeah, you really see it. You see it with May. You see it with um, you know where May's mm -hmm. brother. Where the problem with him is that he doesn't have a wife. Like, he has a wife who maybe won't have kids. Yeah. Um, and and you see it with May's parents, and mm -hmm. you see it with with May's grandmother, and mm -hmm. um, breaking that cycle is really, really hard. Yes. Uh, yeah. And it's just nice to see a book that acknowledges that, that, mm -hmm. that, you know, if you're in a community that is grooming you to be a victim, you do have to break with that community. Yeah. And um, then that's going to be hard, and it's yeah. going to be painful, and... Yeah. 
but it doesn't yeah. mean you're never gonna find community again so yeah american panda really um, good book by gloria chow really recommend reading it mm-hmm. really recommend getting it to teenagers in your life yes like we are usually talking about like read this definitely i mean yeah if you're somebody who comes from a like a, a background mm-hmm. of being in an abusive community i mean yeah clearly i am not taiwanese and this book meant so much to me mm-hmm. um and I, I think it can be a really powerful uh, tool for healing. Um, mm-hmm. But also, it, it's, yeah. a, it's a message that's important for kids. And this is one of the ones yeah. that I would say, like, yeah, if you're a teacher, if you're a librarian, if you have kids, if you have teenagers in your life, mm-hmm. um, get this to them. Yeah. Um, um, I'm also going to chime in and say it's a valuable book to read if you're somebody who grew up with really supportive parents and with Mm. a really flexible um family dynamic because it's a really good look at what um what it's like for people who didn't grow up with that and I think that it's a really like like I say that as somebody who had the very good fortune to grow up with very with very supportive parents who were very flexible in their expectations of me and my brother. Um, and I think that this book was a really good tool for for exposing me more than I was exposed to, like, really what the experience of not having that is like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's valuable all Thanks. across the board. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, absolutely. Like, yeah. I feel like I like understand you a little bit better Mm. Um, (laughs) from this conversation and from having read the book so I think that that's really valuable as well that's Um, absolutely valuable yeah yeah so Mm. just like what Tepper said about giving it to kids (laughs) yes but also um like especially if this isn't a experience that resonates with you it also might be a really valuable thing yeah, for you to read. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Um, we didn't mention this earlier, but it is a New York Times bestseller. Yes. Which we should have said from the get-go. We should have. Um, and it's deservedly so. <laughs> yes. It's great. Yeah. Um, um, I know yeah. that Gloria Chow is working on a second novel, and I'm yes. very, very, very excited to get my hands on mm-hmm. that. No idea when it's coming out. I, I don't think it's, like, at that point yet mm-hmm. of being announced. But, yeah. Um, very very excited to yes. find out about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and uh, Gloria Chow is actually friends with Samira Ahmed, yes, who is the author of Love, Hate, and Other Filters, which we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that was uh, a great little. It's just a really uh, fun little. Yeah. Like I talked with them both at Yafest, as mm-hmm. did you, I think. Yeah, I talked more with Samira Ahmed. I didn't mm-hmm. actually go to any of Gloria Chow's panels. Okay. She just didn't happen. Oh, to be she's great. In any of the pa- I know. I'm sad. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, one of the things that she told us in that panel yes. that I feel like it is important for our listeners and for you to know uh-huh. is that the um, the voicemail excerpts at the beginning oh, of the chapters you've told me this, but yes. are actual transcripts of voicemails from her mother. Which is wild. Incredible. You told me that before um, I read the book and as I was yeah. reading it, I was like, wow. But yeah, I mean, good thing to know if you're like... <laughs> it adds like... familiar with this. Well, yeah. especially because you, you could think reading this book as somebody who is very... This is not a culture that you're exposed to or a kind of dynamic. You could think that there is like um, exaggeration or satire right. going mm-hmm. on. Um, mm-hmm. And nope. Yeah. No, that's something I've encountered actually yeah. this year, uh, uh, being a little more open about like my background and the mm-hmm. way I was raised Yeah, is I'll say something and people will think that I am exaggerating and joking about it. Yeah. And I'll be like, no, no, this is real. This <laughs> like, is like and there's just this sort of truth. like pall that falls over everything, which makes me <laughs> uncomfortable because I use humor to diffuse tension. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, American yeah. Panda. Great book. Read Get it. it. Read it. Mm-hmm. Keep an eye out for more from Gloria Chow. Yeah. It's great. Hi, I'm Tristan Damour. You might know me from the Scrum Podcast. Hi, I'm Harrison Mulo Jason. You might know me from... Uh, anyway. So we're here to tell you about a new podcast miniseries called Hebemus Pod. It's a show about HBO's The Young Pope. Every episode, we'll feature a guest viewer to talk about an episode. Will they have a fresh perspective on the show? Two years after it aired? We sure hope so. It's very simple. We talk about three things. A highlight, a low light, and the very famous 
Cherry Coke Zero character of the episode. Yes, yes. Uh, and we hope you tune in right here on the Upford Network. On September 19, 1993, NBC aired the first ever episode of Frasier, a spin-off series about psychiatrist Dr. Frasier Crane, the much-loved Seattle shrink from Cheers. Ten days earlier, a baby was born. A baby who, we'd come to learn, was destined to drop out of college and launch his own podcast network. That baby is me, Tom Zalatni, and this is a terrible, terrible idea. Tune in to They're Calling Again, right here on the Upford Network. Next week... We are going, we're excited for this. So next week, this is one of our Indiegogo sponsored uh, episodes. So one of the perks on Indiegogo is you could choose a book for us to read. Um, So next week, we are doing a dystopian smackdown uh, where we're reading Hunger Games and also uh, the Divergent series. Um, And we're going to pit them head to head against each other. Uh, and we're very excited. This is the first time that I've read Divergent. Um, Special thanks to Matt Dever for making us do this. Yes. I'm, I'm really excited about it. <laughs> I also. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I've uh, I've started a I've started a comparison chart in Google Docs and everything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we should note that we are doing the books. So if yes. you are somebody who's like familiar with the movies but not the books, mm-hmm. uh, the books. we might lose you a little. Yeah. yeah. Um, we are looking into doing the same episode with the movies as a bonus content mm-hmm. uh, for the Indiegogo campaign. Yes. That's a plan. So if you want that bonus content, I believe that perk is actually only $10. Yeah, it's not It's not expensive. Um, it's one of the lower level So perks. if you want to hear us also pit the movies against each other, head to uh, igg.me slash at, at slash Upford yeah. and buy that $10 bonus content perk and mm-hmm. uh, you will not be sorry. No, it's go- it's going to be a wild time. Thanks for listening to Yeah. If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at yapodcast and individually at tefferbear and at thebalesosaurus. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, or by sharing this episode with a friend. Uh, You can support us not for free by, as we just mentioned, uh, donating to the Indiegogo campaign to help the Upford Network build a new sound booth. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com.